Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Canary. The bird has landed on beautiful Bainbridge Island, conveniently located at 499 Madison Avenue. ASE Master Technician Clint Ramsey brings over 15 years of experience, award-winning diagnostic skill, and a desire to reinvent the automotive repair experience. Schedule an appointment online at bluecanary.biz or call them today at 206-451-4220. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. What's good, Podcastville? You found the Bystander Podcast. I'm your host, Tiny Tim, the Mr. Rogers of podcasting, the king of casual. Hey, tell a friend, be a friend, subscribe to Patreon, and happy generic time of day to you. Today, my guests are Al Ori and Leaf of Tideland Quarterly, a new magazine serving Kitsap County. How are you? Great. Thanks for having us, Tim. Thanks for coming in. Leaf, how are nice. you doing? Nice to be here. Nice. Finally, yeah. Yeah, it's been been a long time. How long have you two been working on this project? It's been almost a year that uh, I've been kicking the idea around and first talked to Leaf about it. Yeah, we first talked about it uh, around a uh, what was it? it was last March. Yeah, it was a it was a spring equinox bonfire. We were sitting around, uh, and Allery broke the news to a group of us that she was thinking about starting a magazine. Why? Why? Um, yeah, good question. Um, so I had been. I, my background is journalism, and uh, I've um, I started out in uh, business tech journalism in the Bay Area, and then bounced around some different areas. And it was always just sort of my uh, common thread was writing and journalism. And I continued that here when I moved to Bainbridge, um, almost coming up on a dozen years ago. And had been writing for Bainbridge Island Magazine. And um, when they uh, they paused publishing, um, kind of like right in the beginning of COVID in 2020. And so they were like my main gig. And <laughs> I started to look around and find some other places to write for. Um, and then as, you know, a year went by um, and... Uh, and it was clear that they weren't going to be restarting. And so it got me thinking, um, well, freelance journalism is fun. It's kind of a hustle and always having to sell editors on your ideas. And I thought, what if I'm the idea? I'm the, I'm the editor <laughs> and I can uh, green light all my ideas. And um, so, that's, so that was sort of the beginning was thinking about filling that void that Bainbridge Island Magazine left. But they did an awesome job and um, – so that's that's how that started. It's ironic that you guys are coming out with um, the launch party this week, correct? 
Yep, this Friday. And they just reinstated their magazine <laughs> this week as well. Actually, no. They, uh, the So you're referring to PNW Bainbridge, which is the new magazine that oh, yeah, just yeah. arrived in everyone's mailboxes a few days ago. Um, we, we like to think of them as the co-opetition. Um, they're, they're, uh, they're great people and they're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Shout out uh, to Allison. Yeah, and, and uh, so that's uh, – Ali Shookman, the editor, uh, was the editor at Bainbridge Island Magazine. But it's a it's a new magazine that she's started. Mm. Um, it's not the same that she's she hasn't uh, restarted Bainbridge Island Magazine. It's it's PNW Bainbridge is is a new thing that she and um, Natalie have launched, and uh, we uh, congratulate them. They're doing a great job. Yeah, you guys are a little bit more broad in covering the whole West Sound, right? Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I know Allie because you know writing for Bainbridge Island Magazine, she was the editor there, and um, I knew she was thinking about. Um, uh, starting a Bainbridge a lifestyle magazine. So when Leaf and I were kind of talking about how would we do this, what would our, you know, how would we be different enough, you know, to um, have have our community support two magazines. And so the idea was to look beyond Bainbridge and kind of have a more regional um, view of things. And just with, with COVID too, you know, I, um, it seems like we're all, you know, exploring our own backyard a little bit more. And mm-hmm. we thought this would be a great way to help people do that and connect to the broader Kitsap, West Sound, uh, all there is to explore and find here, culture and food and nature, personalities. <laughs> <laughs> Leaf, you have a background in journalism as well as podcasting. Um, mm-hmm. Tell the people in Podcastville what you've done in the past. So I started... Um, I, I'm I'm the child of magazine editors. My parents started a magazine in the early '70s called New Age Journal, which was kind of a, a alternative health and spirituality lifestyle. Uh, Mother uh, Jones. It, it, Mother Jones is definitely uh, in the extended family there. Um, I'm a big fan of Mother Jones, but uh, so my parents started New Age Journal uh, back in the early '70s, and then my dad started a magazine called Utney Reader. Um, my last name, uh, that was sort of like a reader's digest of the alternative independent press, um, kind of like a print blog of all of the uh, alt-weekly papers and and kind of progressive political and, and like cultural what we magazines. Have on the phone now, it's a cornucopia, uh, like medium. Exa- exactly, it was sort of, it was sort of, medium? yeah. I mean, it was sort of like medium, or I mean, it was sort of like a a, a print blog before the internet existed mm-hmm. um and uh you know this diverse digest of ideas and trends and people um and i went to work there after college uh, for eight years from 98 to 2006 i was the online editor most of that time and also uh, a writer and editor on the print side um and then moved out here to bainbridge in 2006 and um uh, in the year before I moved, before I left Utney Reader, I started a podcast there, the Utney Cast, which mm-hmm. I did for a couple of years uh, remotely from here. Very and, good podcast, by the way. Why, thank you. You should get back into it. I've thought about it. Now that it's all full of people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, space is a little bit crowded. Yeah, five years ago when I started this, there was probably 500,000 podcasts, and now there's two and a half million of active podcasts and big money being thrown around. Yeah. 
Not to me, though, so go subscribe on Patreon. <laughs> hey, I already – I'm there, man. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you. Hey, My so pleasure. some of the the soul of the West Sound is personal stories. I'm really into society, culture, and human interest stories. I think that's what I try to have a eclectic feature on this podcast. Um, Al Lori, can you tell me one of your favorite meetings in just starting this up, writing your first articles for this particular magazine? Yeah, one of the articles that we've – you want me to talk about what we've got in this first issue? So. Well, just one that's kind of personal to you yeah. that you, you enjoyed uh, writing. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I uh, really enjoyed uh, our cover story I wrote. It's a feature about um, people the, – the community and the people that uh, swim in the sound – um, we, we call it wild swimming. And I noticed over um, Not me. <laughs> over the pandemic, I just started seeing uh, more people in the water and wondering about it. And their, their little um, like colorful buoys that they wear to make themselves visible. And um, a lot of people are in there with uh, wetsuits, but some people are just in there with bathing suits. And I was just like so curious, like, wow, how do you do that? And you know, what's involved. And, um, a friend of mine, Kelly Danielson is, she is incredible. She's year round, um, in her swimsuit out there in Port Blakely and other places around the Island. And during the early days of the pandemic, she, um, swam in stages around Bainbridge Island and she posted about it on social media and I was following her and I just thought, what a great story. And as I dug into it, um, I just found more interesting people. Pete Saludos, he's an incredible photographer, photographer on yeah. the island. He's part of that community. He likes he's, he prefers swimming in lakes, but um, but he he met Kelly and started photographing her. So there was just this great art to go with the story. Yeah, he also does Greg Nance, the guy that runs around the island. Yes, yeah. He's taking some beautiful shots. Beautiful shot. I think he's drawn to like athletic endeavors of all types. So. Um, yeah, so luckily enough, actually, and I know him because his granddaughter and my daughter are in school together and good friends. So we had this personal connection, and he invited me out last August. Um, he and a group of other swimmers go out to Wildcat Lake. Um, it's, Not familiar? Yeah, it's near Bremerton. It's a beautiful little lake tucked away. It's really clean water and no motor. Wildcat, you said? Wildcat Lake Park, yeah. And it's just like adjacent to Bremerton and Seabeck takes like 45 minutes or something to get out there. So he dragged me out. Of course, for as a photographer, he wanted to get there for sunrise. So we, we drove out. I think I, we met at his house at like 5.30 a.m. and went out there. And um, I I mostly watched. They swim like the whole length of the, of lake. the lake and back, which is like an, a mile and a half or something. And I just sort of bobbed around in the water. It was really nice and warm. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then some of the, he took some shots of um, of some of the other swimmers that are in the story. Um, so that was a great piece. And just to, I think the whole the whole aspect of just how um, people finding a way to get out and thrive in some aspect during COVID was interesting. Like it takes such tenacity to be out there in the water. And um, yeah. I just, I thought that was uh, sort of a good example of, you know, finding a way to, to um, stay healthy and connected yeah. during. Such I just a fell in time. love with my refrigerator during the pandemic. <laughs> recently, <laughs> recently came out as fat. <laughs> um, reminds, reminds me of Jurassic Park. Life finds a way, right? Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for some sunshine. Uh, looking forward mm. to going to Arizona in two weeks and then co- hopefully come back and the sun will start appearing around here a bit and yeah. uh, get going back on uh, the fitness track. Hey, um, I see that you guys are going to cover food. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big foodie. I can taste stuff for you guys and <laughs> describe it to you, and then you can pin it to paper. Yeah, give us your uh, your tips yeah. on food, um, local food. Did you guys do any articles on food this first episode? We did. Um, you doing yeah. like ethnic foods or uh, so? So uh, don't tell me what's that Grubhub <laughs> or Grubhut? Grubhut. Yeah. No. Um, uh, we love Grubhut, but uh, they're in our dining guide. Actually, they are in our dining guide. <laughs> yes. So in the back of the in the back of the magazine, we've got a dining guide that's got just short little blurbs about dozens of restaurants and eateries all over Kitsap County. Um, but we plan to try each one of them. <laughs> yep. No, we already did. <laughs> Working on it. Mateo and I just went over to the boat shed in Bremerton the other day. Uh, that was pretty good. Lunch. Yeah, it was really good. Nice um, location for sure. Incredible location. But uh, the first piece I actually wrote was um, kind of a, a combination food story and business profile about mm. Suquamish seafoods. That um, uh, is a, just a really interesting story about uh, it's one of the businesses that the Suquamish tribe owns. And um, they, uh, they operate it out of, uh, out of Suquamish, just across the bridge from Bainbridge Island. They've got uh, a big processing facility there where they, mm-hmm. uh, where they clean and package all kinds of shellfish that they harvest from uh, – they've got um, an oyster farm in Agate Pass – uh, and they've got, you know, in these floats out in the middle of the pass. Uh, and so they're like doing hundreds of bags of oyster, of dozens of oysters per week. Mm-hmm. And don't they have a, a gooey duck operation as well? And that's actually their biggest, uh, line is, of business. Is that is, out in Brownsville area? No, it's, it's based right in Suquamish. They've got a, they've that's got a boat the there. Must all come together to. Uh, yeah. Well, they, yeah, it might, they might dock it in Brownsville. I'm not sure. Yes. I but, definitely have, because I've been out there and okay. uh, seen the crates of gooey ducks come out mm-hmm. in just massive amounts. And I'm just yeah. like, wow. Well, they, they, uh, their biggest, uh, their biggest line of business is exporting, wild gooey ducks from Puget Sound to China. China, yeah. And um and uh you know it's a it's an incredible delicacy that'll fetch hundreds of dollars for mm-hmm. uh it's like 150 bucks for like a 2 or 3 pound gooey duck. Right. And um but you can get um hot buttered gooey duck yaki at Subi for $11. You so can. I would That's suggest right. that very highly. And you can, also, and you can also uh, buy gooey duck straight from the source at the Suquamish Seafoods retail shop by the Mozzie shop across mm-hmm. the parking lot from the, uh, the Shell Station. They there. seem to always be out of seafood, though. Truthfully, when I go. Really? Yeah, I have you better chance. on the right days? I mean, they're, cl- they're, they're, they're only open like Wednesday through Saturday or Sunday. Right. But I usually do better with the guy in the van just up the street. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the salmon smoked and it's filleted uh-huh. on some sticks, all traditional. And nice. Yeah, I try to uh, honor him because I know I've seen him on that corner in that van for 20 years, you know, yep. selling stuff on the side of the road. Yep. So. Well, so so we've got that that article and uh and we included a recipe that uh that Suquamish Seafoods uh provided of uh um it's baked oysters in panko with nettles. Mm. And it's a recipe that was written up by the woman who 
uh, is the tribe's head of uh, um, uh, traditional foods. and yeah, uh, traditional foods and, and plant medicines. She teaches tribe members about how to use local plants as food Very and medicine. Cool. Azure, I mean, is her name? Yeah, Azure Beret. Azure Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, our whole family is, is foragers. Um, my son and I love to forage, and you blanch the nettles for, um, what do you call it, uh, the green sauce, not the red sauce. Pesto. Pesto. Yeah, you can make pesto, chimichurri. Yeah, pesto I'm allergic to with pine nuts. Uh, uh, so now it's almonds with mm-hmm. the, the nettles and stuff with olive oil. But um, we have I didn't s- know you'd done that. I, I, I did the same thing a few years ago. We have such an abundance of forageable things, such as mushrooms, huckleberries, blueberries, you know. We can walk around here and kind of eat. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Real nice. Um, getaways. Um, I just talked to the founders of Here Here app, which is an app that's hooked up to your GPS and you get to a certain area and um, a story will pop up on your phone and you'll decide whether to pull off at that historical mark and they're doing, trying to do a lot of indigenous people and their longer form stories. Because the ones that pop up on your um, GPS are like a four minute, 400 words or less. And then there's another portion of the, the application that's long form indigenous, indigenous people stories and stuff like that. What kind of <coughs> stories, excuse me, have you, and it's kind of based on getaways when you're on a road trip. So what kind of getaways have you been impressed with learning um, and writing about the getaways in this beautiful Olympic National Forest area? I think we just have no shortage of cool places to explore and discover. But uh, in in our first issue here, we did a day trip to Port Townsend Mm. and trying to kind of get, uh, you know, a lot of us have been to Port Townsend and we've kind of skimmed the surface. We've stuck to the main little drag there. So we tried to kind of go off the beaten path and take people to cool places they might not have heard of. Like, um, I I think it's relatively new, this um, cool little... um, pub called the poor house p-o-u-r it's going to play on words and they just have this great location that's practically on the beach their their patio out there and they got all the local beers and some wine and just very laid back kind of local scene and um i had been up there i think last june and discovered that place and i thought that was sort of the genesis for that story like let's take people to this port townsend so great it's so easy to get to mm-hmm. and you know let's spotlight our neighbors up here Mm-hmm. and how unique it is. Uh, I love talking about Chimicum. I think that's a cool spot. Um, recently, I went up to Port Gamble and learned about the extraterrestrial ghost um, type, what, what do you call it, uh, hyperactivity up there and the stories that were being told there. That would be a great feature for you guys to go yeah, do. Yeah, I've heard about yeah, this heard, ghost thing in Port yeah, Gamble. Yeah, I've heard about that too. <laughs> so I went up to the scary house and down in the basement of Pope Industries underneath the general store and you just hear all kinds of crazy sounds. Hmm. The building's really old. It's old Timberland area. It's a real neat place. Yeah, it's been uh, um, it's been really fun since getting involved with this project just to like this is, you know, I used to work at a national magazine and, and, and it's a very different beast from a, a local uh, magazine focused about it, focused on a specific geographic area and telling the stories of the place where you are. And so it's been, it's been really cool just to experience kind of looking at this place where I've lived for 
going on 16 years with fresh eyes mm-hmm. and be, you know, thinking about, wow, you know, what just every day looking around as I'm going through my life around here and thinking about what are the stories I could be telling. And so part of that is like some of the stuff obviously is going to make it into the page of the magazine, but we're also doing a lot of stuff on social media to kind of uh, bridge the, the gap yep. between each of these quarterly issues and, and keep our audience engaged and involved. Um, and so like, uh, you know, just the other day I'm up in Bremerton cause my son wanted to get, he, he likes to go to the black barbershop over in downtown Bremerton. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just like your son, I actually took him with in there once recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and w- while he's getting his haircut, I go and explore around the town and, uh, I found the, the natural foods co-op in Bremerton that opened just a couple of years ago and mm. went, went in and got some fruit and, and, uh, a few other things and chatted with the clerk, just learned a little bit about this place. And, uh, I love food co-ops. I used to live in Minnesota and there's a ton of them there mm-hmm. and, uh, we don't have one here on Bainbridge, but you live in a co-op. I do live in a co-op, but it's not a food co-op. <laughs> well, it is when it's <laughs> but, your turn to cook. <laughs> yes, that's true. But, uh, but you know, I just found myself, Taking taking some photos of the place, and mm-hmm. you know, who knows? Maybe that'll turn into a, a story about another cool local business or a food thing in in an, in a future issue. But it's also something I can just say post, you did post, yeah. Well, and I can post stuff up on our uh, on our Instagram and Facebook pages and uh, tell those stories too. And way. what are those pages? You got, I thought you were a pro. Tideland, it's Tideland Magazine, and uh, it, and our handle on uh, it's both on Instagram. Facebook and Twitter is Tideland Mag, so it's Instagram slash Tideland Mag or there Facebook, Twitter, etc. See now people can go see it. Tidelandmag dot com. Yeah. See what we did right there? It's promotion, <laughs> callback. <laughs> hey, Bremerton Theater is something that's or what is it? Bremerton Admiral Theater. The Admiral Theater. Uh-huh. That has a rich history, right? It does. Yes, it does. Uh, Tell yeah. me another story. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, Oh, we got all kinds of stories. You want you want to hear more about what we've got in this issue? Uh, no, I want to or? save some of that for <laughs> people to pick up the magazine. But yeah, give me. We've got um, another one, one. One fun thing. Oh, a couple of fun things. Um, so I have a friend, uh, Mary Jo Davis. Uh, she and her family spend a lot of time on their sailboat year round. They were just out there last week, and um, she's an incredible. She's a a designer does graphic design and she keeps a sketchbook and when she showed me her sketchbook from her sailing trips i was like "Ooh, that's got to go in my they're magazine. amazing they're beautiful <laughs> so we created like a ongoing series for her called salish scenes and beautiful. um yeah and so her sketches are in there i actually have i could show the radio people yeah it's a two-page spread in each issue that mary Jo illustrates and uh the first one is going to be about blake island and a little uh, day trip that she and her family mm-hmm. took to Blake Island. Oh, and a little story about they found an octopus um, on the rock, and so she does just a short story about finding so that the octopus. S- sketching with watercolor mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. It's very nice. Yeah, and then um, another fun one. We're you know we're going for a visual impact and really engaging people visually with the magazine. So the photography from Pete Salutis I think is incredible and. We want to have a lot of illustration um, in the magazine, and then um, you're kind of stealing my foraging book idea, where uh, I, I wanted to like <laughs> sketch the nettles, uh-huh. and then take a beautiful photograph of the real nettles, and then have a story below that, ending in a recipe. And each chapter would be another thing that you forage, whether it be uh-huh. Dungeness crab, 
nettles, et cetera, et cetera. That sounds wonderful. There was a cool. book, um, Dylan Tomin. Do you know who that is? And he's a writer on the island that wrote about foraging. I think it's called Closer to the Ground. Oh, good. It doesn't have the illustrations, though, but it's just about foraging uh, around these parts. It's really good. Well, that stuff's beautiful. Yeah. And uh, what's I'll another fun? Uh, we have a family page or a couple pages where we want to feature youth voices and faces and like fun crafts or family activities. So in this one, we teamed up with um, Rachel Knutson at Scrappy Art Lab. Okay. And she does, uh, she, she, her whole thing is like environmentally you know, conscious crafting, use like reusing materials and using natural materials. So she's got all kinds of camps for kids and, you know, classes for adults. So she, um, we teamed up with her and she came up with a craft for kids. And so that's a page in our magazine, creating cool. nature mandalas, which is like these designing, making cool designs with pine cones and flowers and rocks and shells and yeah. Okay, now you lost me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've seen her lab, and it's really cool, and I like the concept. Yeah. Um, how are the tie-ins with local businesses? Are you are you doing a little slick backdoor thing where pay me, I'll put your advertisement in the magazine, I'll write a little article on a couple pages down the road? Do you guys do <laughs> no, that type of stuff? No, no pay for play. No pay for play. Good. No. Honest publication. I like yep. that. Um, is there any thought of moving it? Towards a semi-visitors um, type magazine, like on the ferries or down on the waterfront where people pick this up and learn more about Bainbridge Island and, yeah, and the think, greater West Sound here? I think visitors are one like um, element of our audience that we want to appeal to. So, you know, kind of um, showcasing what's great about the area for people who live here and for visitors and getting the magazine out in those places. Like we've got... Um, the lodging association is gonna. We're gonna give them a stack for all the hotels in the area. And how Airbnb's. do you barter that deal to start with? <laughs> they cause... were glad to just take them. Oh, so it yeah. wasn't a floor space situation, or no, no, uh-uh. what do I get for giving this away? <laughs> nice. I mean, it's free to them, so yeah. And the magazine is free, so it's ad. You know, so how many support. are you um, printing up each quarter? Uh, fourteen thousand, little over fourteen thousand. Yeah. This first issue and. Hopefully expanding from there. And is that based on that's home um, numbers or what? Yeah, that's based on. So we're doing a we're mailing out to the whole all the uh, residences on the island. So it go, will show up in everybody's mailbox. So, so that's a free magazine. That's a little over eleven thousand periodicals. And then we're hitting area. some neighborhoods in Polsbo and Kingston, and then also distributing it to retail places and real estate uh, offices, lodgings. So you'll, you'll find. You know, stacks of them free at coffee shops and libraries and post office and and barn, hopefully <laughs> doctors' offices and yeah. art galleries. Oh no, they don't do that in the doctor and dentist office. No, because I guess of not. COVID. That's right. Yeah, right. We don't have the do- doctors' offices right now, but but a doctor can advertise in there. That's very true. That's right. Because it, if you're going to be in all those spots, it pretty much behooves a business to be a advertiser in a. I don't want to call it a slick magazine, but. A, uh, highbrow, well formulated magazine. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like. We those. couldn't agree more. Yes. <laughs> well, I kind of like the lifestyle type magazines, like the who, what, why, and where, and 
what's going on around us. Yeah, know? the human interest, like you said, that's my interest too, is telling so those much. human stories and the people. And Yeah, I mean, when I first started this, people were telling me, you're going to run out of ideas. You live on a really small island. And I was like, yeah, maybe, where's my lane? Um, oh, found it. It's mm-hmm. human interest stories. It, everybody has a story about something. And if there's 25,000 people on this island, it's a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still got room to grow. Yep. Yeah. So do you guys, right? Right. Yep. And and, and um, hopefully even uh, a broader array of stories by like looking broader than the island and looking at Kitsap and mm-hmm. everything going on. In fact, I just got I subscribed to the Seattle Sunday Times and they have a magazine called Paci- uh, Pacific Northwest. Yeah, yeah, Pacific Northwest. And their cover story this week was about um, uh, this guy in Bremerton. He fixes antique typewriters and. Um, his story is fascinating. In fact, I picked up an antique typewriter at um, the children's thrift store a couple of years ago and took it to him. You <laughs> so sucker. <it> cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love that thing. It's got soul. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess so, from a writer's perspective, too, that, that could be the motivation or a nice yeah. piece on your desk. And my probably. kids love to like clack, clack, clack on that thing. So Don't break it though. <laughs> yeah, but so just really all kinds of stories, you know. I was like, ooh, I want to write that story. <laughs> Might have to save it for another Yeah, those issue. old typewriters and old sewing machines actually do really well on eBay. They're very collectible. I don't mm-hmm. know why. But I don't know what why an NFT is collectible and I don't know a lot of things. You know? <laughs> what happened to baseball cards? We'll try to explain that in, in the next issue for you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So, you're going to highlight some nonprofits as well, mm-hmm. and uh, how's that work? Just you know, just pick one randomly. Um, do you have a few nonprofits that you have in mind that you really uh, subscribe to, like Helpline House or something like that, that do great work in the community that, that you want to highlight? Yeah, but, um, who's in our first issue that we would? We've, I mean, one great thing is they've really turned into. Um, they were uh, very uh, accessible advertising um, component of the magazine. So mm-hmm. I was surprised how many nonprofits were, um, you know, interested in advertising and advertising with us. So that you got to spend that money every year. Yeah, that's the thing about a nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're a nonprofit and would like to support this show. Hook me up. <laughs> Begging for money today, aren't I, Leaf? Um, you guys are Bill somehow. You think, yeah, somehow. You guys are trying to um, highlight environmental issues as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, actually, Ellery's just pulling up on her screen here for you. Stewards um, of Salish Sea. So one of the things that um, is really important to us is telling the stories, reflecting uh, uh, the the diversity of the area that we cover in its fullness to everyone who lives here. And a big part of that, of course, is the the indigenous tribes, the mm-hmm. Suquamish and the Port Campbell-Sklallam. And so in this first issue, we've got a feature story that I wrote about the Suquamish tribes' environmental work. It focuses on what they're doing to protect salmon and steelhead and uh, um, uh, protect the habitat, especially. Hold on. Let's go back to your article, Leaf. Yeah. <laughs> okay. These headphones do not work. Um, you were saying about the Salish Sea and environmental um, yeah, so, writings? So, um, uh, so I wrote this uh, – one of our feature stories is 
It's called Stewards of the Salish Sea, and it's about how the Suquamish tribe are uh, carrying on Chief Seattle's legacy, the, uh, you know, some generations ago, the leader of their tribe, uh, of protecting the natural environment around here and particularly the the habitat for salmon and uh and other wild fish that they that they that they depend on as a food source um not just as a food source but also uh as part of their uh deeply part of their spirituality and their identity as a people um an ecosystem for the orcas and other sea life which they consider to be their relatives and you know, uh, you hear their uh, their their creation story uh, is all about the tree people and the whale people and the salmon people, and they're all people to them. Um, and uh, and so the work that they're doing uh, to protect the salmon around Kitsap County is pretty remarkable. Um, a lot of it is uh, a lot of it is actually legal work. They've been one of the uh, most important tribes uh, battling in the courts to protect tribal treaty rights to uh, to fish and to gather shellfish. Uh, they've had a number of cases gone all the way to the Supreme Court. And one of them most recently was about culverts hmm. in Washington State, forcing the state to allocate money to remove bad culverts that are blocking fish passage up into their habitat higher up in the watersheds. And uh, so I, I walked around uh, in the Chico Creek watershed with the one of the tribal biologists learning about what they're doing there. Um, and it's, it's pretty remarkable. And we got some great photos and uh, a lot of info about what they're doing and how it's not just benefiting the tribe, but benefiting everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my dad was really into those upper stream conservation acts and and working just working the streams period you know getting the debris out and making mm. fish ladders and stuff like that arrest in power dad um did you find out anything about damming and um the farmed salmon culture yeah, actually um i i learned way more than uh, than i could possibly fit in the in the space we had in print, that's one of the things about print is you actually spaces at a premium. You can't just go on right. and on. And that's what's complimentary like about a podcast. Online. You can tell a certain amount of story in the in the print form, but you, mm-hmm. then you can highlight the things that you had to leave out and have it in conversation on right. a podcast. I, li- I like that. So um, the major dams are not really an issue right here in Kitsap County because there's no major river here. Um, mm-hmm. Well, you see the Snake Dam – controversy well, well right over. so that's that's snake river up uh up the columbia the snake river uh splits off by the tri-cities and goes up uh into oregon and idaho mm-hmm. um and leonard forsman the chairman of the squamish tribe uh is actually an outspoken uh advocate for removing those dams he, he's the president of the atni the uh, affiliated tribes of northwest indians i believe and he also serves on the climate change committee of a national uh, intertribal organization and has been uh, doing a bunch of advocacy uh, at the national and international levels around the importance, uh, the role that tribes can play in helping to combat climate change. And uh, so it was really interesting just to learn about 
how this relatively small tribe on this small reservation here in Kitsap County is having this really outsized impact. They're punching way above their weight in terms Mm of uh, the impactfulness. Yeah, the positive impact that they're having for the environment at the hyper-local, national, and global levels. That's where it starts, hyper-local. Yeah, politics, uh, stewardship, all that stuff. Um, Atlantic salmon in pens getting out, eating their own, in their own feces stuck. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, na- it's a nasty, it's a nasty plus business. plus percent of salmon is farmed on your dinner table now in restaurants. Um, it's an issue that I feel strongly both ways. Um, I was wondering what you gleaned from it. Um, yeah, Atlantic salmon, bad, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, and, uh, and actually, uh, there's been um, a... The the I, I I couldn't quote uh figures for you. No off fact the top check of my in head, here. But uh <laughs> right. But uh but um the market for wild uh for for wild fish, native fish here in the northwest has expanded dramatically as um as uh environmentalists and um, anglers and conservation activists and tribes have been working together over the last few decades to educate the public mm-hmm. about the importance uh, of wild fish and uh, and really doing battle to keep out these uh, or or to remove a lot of the um, Atlantic salmon from salmon farms around Puget Sound and and up in British Columbia. Um, you know, I learned that back in the in the '90s, when the Atlantic salmon first started getting farmed out here, um, the market for wild salmon just plummeted, and, and many of the local fishermen and the tribal fisheries just about went out of business. And so they've they've really had to had to work hard and fight mm-hmm. to uh, to bring that back. And they're they're I'd say in the in the marketplace, they're winning that battle now, which is good because mm-hmm. we don't have a whole lot of time before some of these salmon species especially go extinct. Yeah, it's tough. We have a, a governor who's a great environmental leader and ran on that platform for presidency, but still hyper-locally, you know, he doesn't live but a mile away from us basically. And there's a lot to be improved right here, you know, whether it be the – the Superfund, you know, uh, the discharge of diesel um, into the areas from the ferry terminals, um, the leaky sewer plants that all run amok all through Kitsap County. You know, I had heard some stat that all salmon have plastic or meth in them, and yeah. it's just that polluted. You know, I would like our government here in Washington State to be the, the leader in environmental causes uh, especially around the ocean. Yeah. Let's put fish back in the ocean and get rid of all those warheads, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a little crazy. Um, you also want to highlight um, inclusion and equity and stuff like that. What kind of stories are you looking for um, to find and tell through that? Yeah, I that think, lens. Um, you know, so many discussions came up around the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, in 2020. And uh, so uh, we want to look at, you know, how do we make uh, 
our community is more welcoming and inclusive. And, I, and that's just an co- ongoing conversation I think a lot of people are having. So we wanted to, to put some attention on that. And that's another one of the stories that you'll find in our premier issue is uh, Leaf uh, spent some time with a leader in that area, uh, Kuya Karen Vargas. She's a uh, a youth mentor and uh, Karen's been on the show before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. hi, Karen. <laughs> hi, Karen. <laughs> hi, Karen. Yeah, yeah we she's had a, a great. She's amazing. We had a great like hour and a half with her at the History Museum and um, and, a, and a really great story that Leaf wrote came out of that. It was originally going to be like a sh- brief Q and A, and we're like, no, this is so much more than than that. So we've actually she has a lot of knowledge to drop for sure. Yeah. 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 Good resource. And, and and in addition to all the. Um, activism and mentorship that she's been doing with youth. She's also she's a historian who's been living it well and and working with the historical museum on the island and with historical societies around the county and the libraries, putting on these exhibits, telling the stories of uh, of people of color over the last hundred hundred fifty years throughout the county. Yeah, she's not that old. <laughs> no, she's not. Um, but uh, uh, like the kids have son just had a piece um, about uh, the commemoration of the uh, of the post office in downtown Bremerton, which was renamed at the uh, uh, after Karen um, lobbied our congressman Derek Kilmer. Uh, to name that post office after Dick Turpin, who was a an African American sailor in the Navy, way before the armed forces got integrated, he he was uh, in the Navy from the what 1880s to 1905, mm-hmm. and uh, he was on the USS Maine that got sank in Havana Harbor in Cuba during the Spanish American War. He saw action in the Boxer Rebellion over in China. And um, he um, was on the USS Bennington in San Diego Harbor in 1905 when it sank because a boiler exploded on board. Um, and how was he connected to the he saved, post office? He in saved that area? the lives. He saved the lives of 15 people on that boat, swimming them to shore one by one. And then after he retired from the Navy, he retired to Bremerton and worked in the shipyard there for. Till till uh, he died in, in the 1960s, and um, so he was one of the most prominent African American uh, people in Kitsap County in the 20th century, and traveled around uh, giving motivational speeches during World War II to soldiers uh, and sailors, rather. And um, and so then Karen uh, uncovered his story, or she she learned about it from. Uh, pastor she knew in, in Bremerton and uh and then finally um got uh got that got that man's story to be recognized uh by by the US government by renaming the post office just last year and uh and his story had kind of largely been forgotten it had just, yeah yeah very um, cool but, yeah. yeah so she brought attention to it yep okay we should probably wind this up but i i have one story you guys uh or y'all i'm trying not to Put the emphasis on mail and say you guys anymore. I appreciate that. <laughs> that is, it's my new uh, New Year's resolution or whatever. It's kind of funny. Clarence Morawaki um, mm-hmm. was saying that he wants to ban acronyms. That's his idea for, yeah, the, I love that. for this year too. 
Because I always have to ask, what does ABC mean? I don't know. Right, get the lingo out of, uh, out of yeah, like especially, don't, especially don't, out of government. Yeah, don't talk like I should know what you're talking about. Right, you know, the onus on you to explain what you're talking about. Um, but there, there is another roundabout coming podcast, Phil, to Highway, right down the middle of the island, and uh, at a place called Addis Will, and that's a really small little loop of a road just off the highway. And there was a house there um, that had a sea harp built onto the side of the house. Gigantic harp. So when the wind would blow, it would play the harp for the, all the sailors and the people in the neighborhood. And it's it's rotting and the building is sitting there just falling apart. But I would like to know the story about... Who designed that? Who made it? And who lived there? That's a great, oh, great story. Great. Where exactly is that? Where is that? Well? Yeah, that right. You know where Riatan is? The last Rytan. Right yeah, right Rytan Road. Where you That's the thing. Pull off and drop down underneath the, the end of the Agapas right. Bridge. It's yeah. back up towards us uh-huh. here at Studio 15. Um, and it's the left right before that okay. instead of the right. Okay. Uh-huh. We'll have to check okay, that out. Yeah. There's also a very close to old growth tree that they want to take down for the roundabout huh. where Brenda, our other councilwoman, is fighting hard to that's save right. that. That's where I remember hearing about that was actually on your podcast when you interviewed Brenda. Yes. Yeah, I met a guy who lived next to the Harp House and told me about it while we were doing the mass vaccinations at Brent, mm-hmm. Bainbridge Preparers. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, I live by that Harp House. And what are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, I'd love, love to check it out. And he, he doesn't know much about it because he just moved into town. But Yeah, and, and um, you a, bring up another uh, area that we really are excited to tell the stories of the history of where we live and make that part of every issue of what we do. And mm-hmm. in this um, premiere issue, we're talking about the uh, 80 years since the exclusion of Japanese Americans from mm-hmm. Bainbridge and the memorial and how it's evolving to honor, you know, that history. Um, speaking of Clarence Moriwaki, speaking he, of Clarence, he, he, we we interviewed him for that piece. Mm-hmm. He just currently resigned from the board of the, the Japanese American yeah association. But that would be the nonprofit that we have highlighted as the Japanese American awesome. memorial <laughs> in this issue. Anything else you guys want to shoot out there? Come uh, come celebrate our premiere issue this Friday at. At uh, Art Walk on Winslow Way, we're going to be at Bainbridge Island, uh, Bainbridge Arts and Crafts Gallery. Yeah, that's the big gallery right next to the bookstore. By Eagle Harbor Books? Uh-huh. Yep, right by Eagle yeah, Harbor yeah. Books. Right next door to Eagle Harbor Books. Yep. We'll be there with giving out copies and doing a drawing or two. Our, our friend Gary Bedell, a.k.a. DJ Sidecar. DJ Sidecar! He's going to be spinning <laughs> some vinyl. And, uh, and we'll have... Uh, um, yeah, we'll have copies of the magazine. There's going to be some some other artists, a couple of artists from Port Townsend that are. They always have great art in that gallery. Oh, it's great. a fantastic gallery. That and the Robbie one. What's the Robbie one? King. Ro- Robbie King. Yeah, yeah. Across, right across the way from there. I like that gallery as well. Yep. You know, and then Sotheby's, mm-hmm. best food spread spread on Art Walk night. By the way, a little secret. <laughs> best wine, Millstream. <laughs> best time to go, six o'clock. There you go. You got all the information about this Friday's Art Walk and. Picking up a copy of Tideland Quarterly. Tideland Magazine. Tidelandmag.com. It is a quarterly. (laughs) Yes. You're right about that. Um, The Soul of the West Sound. 
So that fits in. You know, I got something for your mind, body, and soul, and you're coming with the soul. I like it. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, thank you, Tim. And and, uh, if people have ideas for stories that uh, they'd like us to tell, then uh, they should check out our website or come talk to us in person and and pitch us their ideas. And if they want to advertise, too, they can. Yeah, let's keep this supported. You know, this is good work. And I'm sitting here looking at an advanced copy. Um, Very impressed. Thank you. Um, Thanks. Leaf and Alori, thank you for your time. You've been listening to Bystander. Be kind, tell a friend, be a friend, and subscribe on Patreon. Thank you.